Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into Midway in today's statistics episode. We reap the wind and the sky when the sun is high. We sail the length of the seas on the ocean breeze. At night we name every star. We know where we are. We know who we are, who we are. Today's episode is all about Midway. Uh, this is not the first film to follow the Battle of Midway. It's the second one that I've seen by title, uh, if maybe more than that. Uh, if they're not titled based on Midway, I did a quick search through my spreadsheet, and that's what I found. Uh, yeah, so Midway, new film, came out a couple of weekends ago. Uh, did a little bit better than expectations, and is going to make a fair bit of money for itself, but... Uh, probably still going to lose money based on the amount that Roland Emmerich spent. So, we're going to do stats for Midway, uh, a film I didn't really like, and um, yeah, there's a lot of those coming out now nowadays. So, uh, Midway is a 2019 film that I saw once on November 16th, 2019, so this was just this past Friday. Uh, it is two hours and ten minutes long. Is that Friday? That is Saturday. 16th of Saturday. It's two hours, ten minutes long. Quite a long film. I gave it a 22. It has a 42% on Rotten Tomatoes, which ranks it 175th uh, out of the for the year and 7073rd all time. My synopsis, The Battle of Midway from the Soldier's Points of View. It's very reductive. Uh, we do follow many of the soldiers, uh, both involved in the actual fighting, some of the uh, information specialists on dry land as well. Uh, but we also follow people on the opposite side of the battle, from the Japanese perspective, uh, both commanders and, and whatnot, which I really appreciated. That probably is my favorite element of the film, that we do see such a humanized depiction of uh, the people involved on the Japanese side of the conflict. Uh, I don't think it ever paints them as being the good guys, but it does give them a bit, it does kind of flesh them out more than I was expecting them to, uh, which is more than I can say for the, the characters on the American side who are not fleshed out uh, whatsoever. Moving on, Bechtel Test Score 2. Uh, it does have female characters by name, they do talk to each other. They talk about men. And I think there's only one scene where they talk to each other. And it's about uh, the soldiers. It is a PG-13 film. And it is an action film. Currently my 966th highest rated action film. And uh, it is a drama. My 3,422nd highest rated drama. Pretty straightforward. Not a lot um, of surprises here for Midway. Uh, director Roland Emmerich, uh, who has been around the block, I can tell you that. This is the 12th film of his I've seen. It drops his average film to a 36.67. It is his fifth film, rated between 0 and 24, and 10th best movie overall, coming in behind Universal Soldier and ahead of Anonymous. He has a value of negative 12, a score of 19.43 to be ranked 2064th overall, one spot behind Michael Almereda, and one spot ahead of Rai Rousseau Young. Emmerich directing, you know, I, I like 
one I like like one out of every five films he makes. Uh, the Day After Tomorrow is a film I watched a lot as a kid, uh, quote unquote kid, but as a teenager. Uh, I don't know something about it worked for me. And uh, The Patriot, I also think, is a, fa- sil- a fine, solid film. But he just, I don't know. Uh, 10,000 BC, it, sorry, what am I talking about? Midway, it's a lot of explosions. And the visuals are not that great in most of this film. The cast is huge, part of why we're doing the statistics episode. And they don't, he doesn't get a lot out of them. He doesn't give them much to work with. Uh, you know, for a film about a specific battle that takes place over one day, that that battle is maybe 30 minutes of this movie. There is so much buildup to arrange the pieces, and I think most of that is unwarranted. We don't need that. There are like four cutaways to um, to a film director. I, I They kept saying his name. I could not... It's um, John Ford. They kept cutting away to John Ford, who uh, filmed part of the battle, uh, part of the war, which is cute, but absolutely has no place in this movie. And it, it just everything involving the female characters, Mandy Moore and, and her friends, I guess, is unnecessary, is meaningless if you're not going to give it value. And he doesn't, and so it doesn't need to be there. It's just a... All it ser- does is serve to show that there were these other people involved in this conflict who are not, you know, actually on the fighting lines, and uh, this movie makes them less dimensional than its soldiers who are already paper thin, and that is, I don't, I don't know what the point is. It really does boggle the mind. So, yeah, the direction in this not so great, not so great. How about the writing? Wes Took uh, is the credited writer on Midway. This is the only film of his I've seen. It's average from rating of 22, one film, 0 to 24, negative 2 value, best film, worst film, Midway, score of 5.33 to be ranked 7,449th overall, tied with a handful of people, one spot behind, uh, let's say, Eddie Gazillion, who is a writer on Cinderella 3 and The Little Mermaid 2. Two, uh, and West took is one spot ahead of Tom Brady, not that Tom Brady, uh, who is a writer for The Animal and The Hot Chick. The writing in this isn't much better. Uh, so the characters the, the, that lack dimension, their dialogue is garbage. Uh, it's very very bad. Uh, but also, this is based on a true story. So you have actual events to pull from, sequencing that has already been established, and so that part of the film, I'm sure, presumably gets things right, and yet somehow it just it seems so silly. I don't know exact. You know, I think these people existed. We see the title cards at the end. You know what happened to them, where they ended up, what you know their impact on the war. But they don't come across as people in the movie. Whether that's because they're so flat, whether that's because uh, they seem like caricatures, it's it's very 
disorienting uh, to, to think of how insignificant some of the impact they had uh, what am I, how am I trying to say what am I trying to say um, it's it's more so that these characters are prob you know absolutely were real and therefore by showing them off as so flat it does them a disservice it is so I don't want to say insulting but it is very disappointing that they get nothing to do you know half of the characters i don't care about i don't remember their names um most of the ones the other ones all i really recognize are the actors playing them dennis quaid or aaron eckhart or patrick wilson or ed screen you know these are people who recognize the actors i don't know anything about the characters i don't know not even character the people they're not characters they're people and the movie makes them out to be characters you know these are the types of people you would see in you know, a fake war movie, a war movie that's not based on reality, or a war movie that isn't playing with real names, and that, it does not work, it does not work, you know, whether or not they're, yeah, they, they can't be, they cannot be 100% accurate because people aren't two-dimensional, people aren't one-dimensional, they're three-dimensional, and this movie doesn't really seem interested in that, so... It more wants to get to the explosions and, and the fighting and whatnot. So, yeah, not great. Uh, but let's move on to the cast. The cast. Maybe they can salvage some of this. First up is Woody Harrelson. This is the 47th film of his I've seen. It drops his average from to a 55.57. It is his 16th. Nope, it is his fourth film rated between 0 and 24. And 44th best movie overall. Coming in behind Kingpin and ahead of triple nine he has a value of one a score of 54.31 to be ranked 791st overall one spot behind billy crystal one spot ahead of may marsh harrelson uh, plays chester w nimitz he is the man who steps in to take over for the navy as as navy commander uh, early on in the film uh, after the previous one is uh, removed because of the Pearl Harbor invasion. Another sequence in the movie that we probably didn't need to see. And um, Harrelson's fine. Uh, they're all fine, honestly. Uh, Jun Kunimura. Uh, is, this is the 12th film credit of his I've seen. It drops his average film rate to 58.25. It is his second film rate between 0 and 24 and 12th best movie overall, coming in behind Godzilla colon Final Wars. He has a value of 2, a score of 51.93, to be ranked 1,015th overall, one spot behind Eugene Bird, and one spot, of, one, one spot ahead of Caitlin Dever. Jun Kinimura is Chuchi Nagumo one of the military commanders on the Japanese side. And I mentioned that they get a little more characterization than I expected, and even more than some of the American soldiers. This is absolutely true. Uh, Nagumo is one of them. Uh, he is... We don't really get to see the, the sort of... Uh, you know, it's it's never about the, the soldier level 
of the Japanese army, it is all about the commander level of that army, as opposed to seeing the soldier level of the Americans. And that's fine. I didn't have a problem with that. But it felt like at times we were trying, the, the film was trying to convey that there were disagreements, there were conflicting opinions, and after about 20, 30 minutes into the movie, all that just kind of disappeared. And uh, maybe that's simply a commentary on the fact that the Japanese soldiers and commanders followed order, followed rank. And I guess it could be, but it doesn't really mean anything. It, it doesn't really say more than that. And I don't know what point it's making. Kunimura does a great job. I think most of the Japanese actors do a good job. And um, yeah, that, those those were some of my favorite parts of the movie, to be honest. Next is Aaron Eckhart. This is the 18th film credit of his I've seen. It drops his average from 20.50.39. It is his fifth film where between 0 and 24 and 14th best movie overall. Coming in behind Killers Kill, Dead Men Die, and Ahead of Never Was. He has a value of negative 2, a score of 43.35 to rank 2031st overall. One spot behind David Hewlett and one spot ahead of Taya Leone. Eckhart. Eckhart uh, absolutely does not need to be in this movie. He plays a para bomber person, Jimmy Doolittle, who shows up, makes one flight, does a thing. Uh, he's an army bomber, question mark. Uh, I don't really remember. Anyway, he ends up uh, stranded in China. And, and just all those sequences are unnecessary. They do not service the Battle of Midway to me. And if they do, then it's not conveyed to me in the movie that they did. So, Next is Jake Weber. This is the seventh film credit of his I've seen. It drops his average filming to a 53.14. It's his only film rated between 0 and 24 and a worst movie overall. Coming in behind Born on the 4th of July. He has a value of negative 1, a score of 40.33, to be ranked 2,444th overall, one spot behind Maria Bello, and one spot ahead of Samuel L. Jackson. Weber is playing, I just saw him, Raymond Spruance. Spruance, Spruance. He is one of the people in charge um, towards the end of the film. He kind of steps in and shows up and he's like, I'm doing a thing this way. That's all he does. That's all he does. Next is Tadanobu Asano. This is the ninth film credit of his I've seen. It drops his average film into a 47.78. It is the second film of his rated between 0 and 24 and eighth best movie overall. Coming in behind Thor The Dark World and ahead of The Outsider. He has a value of negative 3.5, a score of 35.59 to be ranked 3,075th overall. One spot behind Michael Weston and one spot ahead of Blake Lively. Tadanobu Asano is, it plays Tamon Yamaguchi. Uh, you may recognize him from Thor and Thor Ragnarok and Thor The Dark World as Hogan, one of the Warriors 3. Uh, so, eh, recognizable face. Again, I like a lot of the Japanese actors who, who were give, should given a, a real role in this movie, but um, it's that's it's about it. He he he's just again like um, 
like Kinimura, Kunimura, he is serviceable, good as the character, but there's not much to it, not much more to it than that. Patrick Wilson, this is the 26th film credit of his I've seen. It drops his average rating to a 47.65. It is his sixth film rated between 0 and 24 and 24th best movie overall, coming in behind The Nun and ahead of Insidious The Last Key. He has a value of negative 11.5, a score of 32.75 to be ranked 3,416th overall. One spot behind Mark Rylance and one spot ahead of Joan Eon Sky. Patrick Wilson plays Edwin Layton. He is the information specialist, code cracker commander, uh, who foresaw, or at least had the warnings uh, in, in place uh, prior to Pearl Harbor. That attack happens. We were not ready for it. And his commanders were removed because they were not listening to him and or should have known that this was happening and didn't. Uh, Wilson is then placed beneath Woody Harrelson's character, Nimitz's control and so on and so forth. And has to, again, prove that he his information is good and that he can, you know, he his character is kind of, he and Ed Screen are basically presented as the two heroes Wilson for not only determining the Japanese attack and, and what their plans were and, and then screen and we'll get to him and what he did when uh, his name comes up. But Will, Patrick Wilson, he's not the best actor and he doesn't do a ton in this movie uh, from a character, from a, from a performance perspective. His character, however, is featured quite heavily and that's a problem. Uh, he doesn't have dimension to him. He is one note almost the entire time. There's a brief glance, glimpse of, of another side to him, uh, one in a scene where his wife is shown uh, kind of fawning over him and, and wanting him to take a break, and he has to explain to her why he can't. But, yeah, Patrick Wilson. Next up is Darren Chris. This is the sixth film of his I've seen. It drops his average for me to 47 even. It is his second film rated between 0 and 24 and worst movie overall, coming in behind Girl Most Likely. He has a value of negative 3.5, a score of 31.75 to be ranked 3,540th overall. One spot behind uh, Tamar Hassan and one spot Hassan and one spot ahead of T.I. Harris. Uh, Darren Chris plays the role of Eugene Lindsay. Uh, he is, I don't fully understand it, but suffice to say the, the planes he flew were, were firing like underwater torpedoes from the plane. And uh, the only time we see them, they don't work. So helpful. Next is Ed Screen. This is the sixth film of his I've seen. It drops his average from to a 44.33. It is his second film rated between 0 and 24 and fifth best movie overall, coming in behind Maleficent, Mistress of Evil, and ahead of Tao. He has a value of negative 4.5, a score of 28.75 to be ranked 3,838th overall, one spot behind Jenny Slate, one spot ahead of Michael Pena. Ed Screen is Dick Best. Richard, quote, Dick Best. I don't know why people with the name Richard uh, ever allow themselves to be called Dick, but he is one of them. It's a topic for a completely different 
podcast. Uh, Dick Best is a bomber, dive bomber. He is, according to the title cards, the only uh, member, pilot, fighter, soldier ever to have bombed two aircraft carriers in the same day. Uh, So he was pretty good at what he did. Uh, The film shows that without any reservation. We see from the very beginning that he is a very skilled pilot, uh, maybe a little reckless, but nevertheless incredibly skilled. He fits a niche, he fits a trope, and he never deviates from that. Again, like Patrick Wilson, he gets a little bit of a, a possible moment to to flesh his character out as he ascends the ranks uh, from up to you know commander or whatever it is he ends up being. And we see him kind of struggle with now he's got more than just his own life uh, hanging in the balance. But very little is made of that. It It is glan- gl- uh, washed over completely in a couple of minutes and uh, back on their merry way. Ed Screen himself is very an interesting casting choice. Uh, he's not really a leading man. Although, you know, this is quite a huge ensemble, so he doesn't have to be a leading, leading man, but he is the main character of the film. And Screen just doesn't have that in him, I don't think, at least not yet. He's, uh, and his his physical features and, and his tendencies are to play bad guys. So strange to see him as a good guy in this, quote-unquote, good guy. Uh, next up is Nick Jonas. This is the sixth film credit of his I've seen. It drops his average point range to a 39 even. It is his second film, rated between 0 and 24, and fifth best movie overall, coming in behind Ugly Dolls and ahead of Camp Rock. He has a value of negative 5, a score of 24.25, to be ranked 4,246th overall, one spot behind Navid Negaban, and one spot ahead of Owen Wilson. Nick Jonas plays Bruno Guido. Uh, who gets, like, a moment to shine in the film. He is this calm, cool, collected, uh, quiet badass in the movie. And, uh, again, fits a mold, does not deviate from that mold. Next up, Luke Evans. This is the 21st film credit of his I've seen. It drops his average film to a 41.24. It is his fourth film, rated between 0 and 24, and 18th best movie overall, coming in behind Anna and ahead of Murder Mystery. He has a value of negative 13.5, a score of 24.15, to be ranked 4,253 overall, one spot behind John Ritter, and one spot ahead of Jonathan Groff. Luke Evans plays the role of Wade McCluskey. He is, I believe, the superior to Ed Screen at all points throughout the film, the direct superior, and for a guy who, you know, McCluskey, it's a name that, I don't know, kind of feels important, but I just do not, I don't know, he just does not have, he doesn't leave a lasting impression, because he's so bland. Next up is Mandy Moore, the probably the only female that made it onto the spreadsheet because all the others are background characters 
Uh, Mandy Moore, this is the 17th film credit of hers I've seen. It drops her average for me to 40.29. It is her seventh film rated between 0 and 24 and 11th best movie overall, coming in behind License to Wed and ahead of 47 meters down. She has a value of negative 12.5, a score of 23.55 to be ranked 4,296th overall. One spot behind Christoph Conrad, one spot ahead of Laverne Cox. This is the uh, Manny Moore plays Anne Best, uh, Ed Screen's wife at home. They have a kid. For whatever that's worth, she gets like two scenes where she fawns over Ed Screen and worries about him. There's another scene where she shows up at the house with all these other women who who are theoret- uh, implied to be wives of the soldiers and army, navy people out there fighting. And uh, all she does is enter the house. Uh, there's a brief exchange, and then she goes into the bathroom under the pretense of powdering her nose, where she just breaks down and cries. I don't have any problem with the sequence of events and what's happening, but the fact that that's really all we see from Mandy Moore's character, and Again, I don't know why we need her in this movie. Other than for the fact that, like, literally put in anyone you want as Ed Screen's wife, and it's the same exact character, it's the same exact role, cut out some of the scenes, and it's still the same thing. Like, none of these scenes change anything about her character. So, Mandy Moore. Sure. Uh, next up is Dennis Quaid. This is the 32nd film credit of his I've seen. It drops his average from range to 43.06. It's his 10th film rated between 0 and 24 and 24th best movie overall. Coming in behind Yours, Mine, and Ours and ahead of I Can Only Imagine. He has a value of negative 18.5, a score of 22.03 to be ranked 4,401st overall. One spot behind uh, Ellie Bomber. And one spot ahead of Cedric. No, wait. Uh, one spot ahead of John Corbett. Dennis Quaid plays William Bull Halsey. He is the captain of the ship, of the cruiser, of the air uh, aircraft cruiser that they that you know the movie follows predominantly. The name of it escapes me at the moment. It might come back. Uh, not the Yorktown. That was a different one. Ah, it's not going to come to me. Uh, he is removed at one point, uh, and and that is what it is. But, I don't know. Dennis Quaid is, is hardly in this movie. Uh, super irrelevant. Super, super, super irrelevant. And those are all the actors in the film. No Academy Awards. It's got no chance at any of them. No Circle of Film Awards. Again, no chance. Moving on to the year of 2019. It is one of the 229 films released in 2019 that I've seen. It is one of the 1,117 films that I've seen during this year. Uh, it, The average rating of 2019 films is 40.79. Tomato meter 62.1. It is a action film. It is the 48th action, and it is a drama film. It is the 101st drama that I've seen this year, uh, and I've now seen 100 dramas in every re- year going back to 2009. Uh, it's not difficult. There's a lot of dramas. As a bad film, quote-unquote bad film, it is the one, one of the 140 bad films from this year, and the good-to-bad film ratio is 0.36. 
as a 2 on the Bechtel test. It is part of the 11.35% of t- films from this year with a 2. As a PG-13 film, it is the fifth, one of the 56 films from this year with a PG-13 rating. Um, Yes, that is the extent of that. It is a film rated 22. It is one of the 79 films on my spreadsheet with that rating. Here are some of the others. The Secret Life, the Secret Life of Pets 2. Hotel Transylvania 3. Mute. Woodshock. Blair Witch. The Lazarus Effect. Child 44. A Million Ways to Die in the West. The Expendables 3. The Last of Robin Hood. Carrie. The Internship. Um, let's skip down a bit. The Good Shepherd. Yours, Mine, and Ours. The Pacifier. The Village. Clock Stoppers. Um, da, 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 da. The Original Flatliners. Uh, Supergirl from 1984. Godzilla vs. Gigan from 1972. Moonbird. Uh, dun, 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 dun. Bulldog Drummond Escapes. And all the way back to the very the oldest film that matches this score from 1895. A film, a little film called Boat Leaving the Port. It is not more than its title. That is Midway. That is the stati- those are the statistics for the film Midway. Again, I do not like it. It hits a specific crowd, so I'm sure there will be plenty of people who will find something to enjoy. Not for me. I... <sighs> yeah. So, I guess best... I don't know if this is even a good thing, though, to come out of this, but I guess I should watch Pearl Harbor. It's a film that I have not seen, and uh, kind of one of the few like, sort of well-known, recognizable, popular films that I haven't seen. Uh, is Pearl Harbor. So that's that. We'll get to it. I'll get to it at some point. And uh, Midway. Don't see it. Thank you for watching, or thank you for listening uh, to this episode. If you'd like to find more episodes, iTunes, Stitcher, places where podcasts can be found. You can also head over to circlefilm.com to find all the other episodes and more. You can uh, find me on Twitter at Circle of Film, on Letterboxd, Circle of Film or email circleoffilm at gmail.com about anything, really. If you'd like to support the show, like it, rate it, review it, subscribe to it, uh, or tell somebody about it, but really listening, first and foremost, is what goes the furthest uh, as far as support is concerned. If you are so inclined, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash circleoffilm. For as little as eight cents an episode, you can have access to all episodes that are released early, early. And there's more. You know, there's other things you can find on Patreon. That's it, though. Thank you again. And as always, have a week. So long, farewell. I'll be the same goodnight. I know she'll never leave me. Even as she fades from view. So long, farewell. I'll be the same adieu. Nothing's really left. Or lost without a trace Nothing's gone forever Only out of place So long, farewell, au revoir, I'll be the same
Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So long.